find out like, oh, this music has been used on yeah, these exactly. different shows. I'd love to track like what <laughs> what what songs, audiobooks, what podcasts have used this track. Hey, welcome to All Over VoiceOver with Kiff VH. Uh, this is Kiff Van Hubel. I'm your host. And uh, today I'm very, very excited to welcome to the uh, to the studio my dear friend and fellow voice actor. I almost said fellow voice actress, which would be totally wrong. Wait, you could actor. be a voice actress. That's I could. fine. I am uh, my fellow inclusive. voice actress, uh, <laughs> the lovely, the talented Ms. Amanda Troop. Amanda, Hello. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you very much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So that track is called 70s Cop Show. Yeah, and it's from the because uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's the there's the police sirens. There's in it. sirens in it, which is why I like it. I think it, it there's like an ambulance, and it's uh, it was a royalty free track. So so I paid a guy ninety nine cents to use his music for awesome. the show, so I yeah. wouldn't get busted by David Bowie for using Under Pressure. And if we started to make the podcast into a seventy style cop show right now, it would still fit. That's right. Yeah. It would totally work. So like if we if we went back and played that music, <laughs> hey Gabe, can you back us up and play that track one more time? <laughs> Is that possible? And then we'll turn this into a 70s cop show. Uh great. Right now he's doing it on the screen. So uh if you don't know, um, Amanda's a master improviser oh. and uh and here we go. Here's our cop show taking you in. Lieutenant Dorsey. Who's asking? You look like a man who looks at a lot of chalk outlines in the street. Yeah, that's right. That's what they pay me to do. That's what the people of this city want me to do is solve the speak for the dead. That's what I do, Captain. Yeah, you look like you speak for the dead. But do you ever think about speaking for the living? You ever think about that, Dorsey? Ever since my ex-wife took off with, with my children and my keys to my apartment and my pinto, all I have left is the people of this city. Well, you serve them well. Now get back to work. Thanks, Captain. <laughs> and then his sirens play out. <laughs> also, we're wearing bell bottoms. That's right. And we're both wearing mustaches that have been glued to our face. I have sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you, where, where did you study improv? I, I, I know that you're an improviser and you do a lot. Like you're the improvised Star Trek right now. Mm-hmm. Tell me about where... How um. That... So... Uh... Uh, so I, I found out about improv when I was in high school and uh-huh. like we – it was really like awful improv. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who – it was like somebody heard about improv somewhere and yeah. then we made a little club and then I decided to do a fundraiser one time and we did the worst improv show that's – it was like a half improv, half sketch show. Yeah. We thought we were so hilarious in rehearsal. We were so bad in the actual oh, thing. Man. But nevertheless, that didn't deter me. Yeah, good. Um, and then uh, when I moved out here, um, everyone was talking about Groundlings. So I did Groundlings for a while uh-huh. uh, and I and I went up through a writing, writer's lab and I did a couple classes in the writer's lab uh-huh. and then I actually booked a movie uh, which is called uh, American Vampire in America, which was a 100% improvised film. So we had an outline and then, uh, we were doing like a, a very different kind of improv from, mm. from like short form improv yeah. where, you know, you're, you're in it, you're, you're maybe finding, not that you should ever p- play for the joke, cause that's, I don't believe in that, but that's yeah. what, that's where it tends to go in short form. Yep. And this movie was, we were improvising dramatically for story mm. and, that I think might have been where I was like, oh, I really 
love this. There's something so there was something so magical about that film. And I met one of my great fe- friends, uh, Kevin Fabian, who does voiceover. He has actually done a, a few audiobooks and things like that. Oh, great! Um, but anyway, I met one of my one of my great friends through that, and we had like one of those improv magic moments where we're in <laughs> the audition and we're playing best friends, and suddenly it's like. Oh, we're we're really making a friendship. This is cool. Yeah. And so getting to like create this whole story uh for that film was was really really cool. And then uh after that, I've studied all over different places and then of late I've been working with Impro Theater and they do uh long form genre based improv. Okay. So that's that's the context that you're doing you're you're that, applying the form and doing sort of like an overlay of Star Trek, is that right? Or is it sort of how, – how is how is that show – like my friend uh, Lexi Notaballo does the Doctor Who improvised yeah. Uh, show. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and um, so I'm, I'm very curious about the process of, of assembling that. I, I'll, I'll tell you also like when, when I was at Second City in Detroit, mm. we had tried to do an improvised cop show. Yeah. It was called Law and Disorder and that's <laughs> exactly what it was. There were 12 actors in the show. And like that's a lot. I had no idea yeah. what I was doing. It was yeah. just like let's just try it and see what happens. And it was, it was a mess. It was a beautiful mess. Yeah. And the best part was was doing the title sequence. Um, um <laughs> the show was <laughs> they can't really be very hard. fun. Yeah, we're doing we're doing a uh, with the Impro Lab. We're doing film noir right now, mm. and uh, and our our intro is a lot of fun too. But you know, it's hard to distill how it works into just a couple of like sentences because yeah. you know I've been studying it for a while and even the people that are in the the main company of Impro it's sort of an evolving art form and so for me that's very exciting to be a part of that and discovering well why does this kind of improv work and when does the storytelling work and yeah. a lot of it has to do with um not doing plot doing character relationship work uh, until suddenly story of like comes out of it naturally. Yeah. And then when you're doing it in a specific genre, you immerse yourself in the genre. So um, I'm actually going to be doing the main stage impro show at the Broad in December. We're doing, a, oh, wow. we're doing Jane Austen unscripted. <laughs> so uh, that involves, of course, throwing yourself into the books, yeah. familiarizing yourself with the, the language, the vocabulary, the accent, the history of the period, researching bath, uh, researching, you know, you have, you have to have all of these things in your mind, how, how to behave with, um, with your family, how to behave when you're meeting a gentleman for the first time. There are all of these things that you have to have researched in your head. Yeah. And then you have to go out there and in that context, character, relationship, history, uh, defining the where, making making everything as, as fully realized as you can through uh, space work, yeah. uh, which – for people who don't know, that's like miming. Like if you have a cup of tea, you're holding your cup of tea. So you're making that as real as possible so that the audience can just think, oh, wow, I'm here I am in Regency England and yeah. I I am watching a real play that's never been performed before. And it's they're making it up just for me. So it's it's really it's really cool. That's fantastic. It's, that's one of the best descriptions I've heard of not only 
a long form improvisation in a specific genre set in a time period, but also an explanation as to why you need to have reference level, why it's so important that you immerse yourself in those things so that when you're improvising it, uh, nothing takes you out of the genre that we're in agreement that we're all participating in. Yes. You know, I mean, I teach, when I teach over at Second City, the short, a lot of it is short form based. And then, you know, we'll do like commando style, that kind of stuff where it's just get a get from the audience and then do a four, three, four minute scene. Yeah. And, and we'll get genres and that kind of stuff. But often if, if the actors don't have a strong reference level for, you take a risk of getting the audience to throw suggestions out. If someone yells out Lovecraft and you don't know yeah. <laughs> anything about it, you, you've got to have a cursory understanding yeah. of two or three things at the very, very least. Yeah. But to really immerse yourself into that volume of preparation makes such a difference. Yeah, it does. You know, and then the audience, then the audience can play with you. Right. You know, they can trust you. I mean, it's very, it's really essential that when you are on stage that you can put the audience at ease. My my husband doesn't like to watch improv, but he'll watch me improv. Huh. But he, he, he says it's like watching ice skating. Like you're just waiting for them to fall. And, and so to, I think, but I think that that's mostly in reference to his bad experiences with watching improv yeah. when it's, being done well, you feel like you're being carried along yeah. and that you are participating because really the audience is is giving constant feedback to you as a performer on stage. Yeah. And um it, and and like sometimes to the point where you're like, Oh, I didn't realize that this was funny. Like I didn't realize, oh, oh, they said ooh right there. I might be a bad guy now. Like so so huh. like they're constantly informing you because because you're only doing half of the storytelling. Right. The other half is what the audience is laying onto your performance. They're watching you walk across the stage and look at something and they're going, she's thinking about, you know, that guy that she's in love with or, or, or he's thinking about getting revenge. And so suddenly they're part of the storytelling and, and it's, it's an aspect of performance that I just can't get enough of. And that when I've done plays, uh, I like to try to, bring that in yeah. with me too to feel the audience and say okay we're all we're doing live theater so that means you're participating I'm participating like we're we're making the magic it's it's a cool feeling so I, yeah I can't get enough of it I I agree uh, 100% <laughs> I love it and I, I you know I I think often about how that is that constant dialogue with the audience and improv and I think often audience members expect that the that the interaction is just when we ask for it yeah you know, where it's like, all right, I need a suggestion of a blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. we did a set last night. Um, I'm directing a uh, a grad review over at Second City here mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And we mm -hmm. had a set last night. And I was talking to Ron West, who was one of the directors over there and, and one of my directors back in Second City. He was like, you know, rather than do a rather than do a form with a bunch of suggestions from the audience, you we have 25 minutes to do this set. And these kids are improvising. Kids, you know, yeah. grownups. Kids. But, but, but kids, they're young, younger than me, people. <laughs> right? <laughs> they're, they're improvising for 25 minutes. And I'm going to burn eight of that getting suggestions. Yeah. So I went to L.A. Casting and just wrote down a bunch of special skills. And we used that to improvise as our context. Yeah. And got so much great stuff. And the audience was no less engaged. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was really, really cool because you're taught that uh, that the audience 
gets invested by giving suggestions. And there is that moment of like, oh, they said, <laughs> they said gonorrhea. I said gonorrhea. But then they, but you know, it's like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like that part of it is part of it. <laughs> that sounds amazing. If it is. <laughs> but, uh, but, but it is. And, and I feel like, you know, the improvisation, that sense of watching something being birthed right in front of you. Yeah. Um, or unfolded or discovered. Yeah. Uh, is really, it's really satisfying. Yeah. Both as an audience member and as a performer. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Uh, what were oh. you going to say? Oh, well, I think also that speaks to why I feel like there, there are people that you've probably encountered who are afraid to go to improv. Hmm. And, and I think that, that they are picking up on the fact that like it's participatory and, yeah. and like people just, some people just don't like, they don't like actors to look at them. They don't, they don't want to be involved. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that the, the core of it is that, that, you know, you, they might not look at you, but your energy's in the room. Yeah. And that, and that helps build the show. And, you know, how cool is that? I mean, that's like, that's true alchemy. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> really something, is. you know, when, when we go and we perform and we put our voices down and, and our performance is done, that's one kind of acting, one kind of magic. But like, when it's that ephemeral, you're never going to see this again, we made this together kind of moment. Yeah. It's just, I just love that. I love, I just it. love that. It's just it's yeah. it's magic and it's it's this we were talking just beforehand about about magic and about like the the new Harry Potter land here <laughs> at Universal and <laughs> which I know you're a huge Harry you're a Potter. huge Harry Potter fan. <laughs> well, what what is it about Harry Potter? Why why did that why did that grab you the way it did? Cuz I know that you're on you're on how is it Banff? Oh yeah, I did I did a a web series called the Banff Girls Club which stands for a bad Ass mother mm-hmm. f blank. Um, <laughs> I just I made that as PC as possible or as a PG. I know there's a there's a swear jar and I'm not gonna I'm not contributing. Awesome. Um, so far, Brian Delaney's dollar is the only one that's still in there. So well, much to his shame. Brian, you are buying us all one stick of chewing gum. That's right. Um, uh, so um, but you oh played yeah, Hermione I was I Granger played Hermione right? on that. But my love affair. With Harry Potter, that sounds dirty. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, so, so it came out, the book started coming out, I think, when I was in the, like, the end of high school going into college. Okay. And at that time, it was like, those are kids' books. And then I remember I went home, I'd moved out to, I moved out to LA when I was 19. Okay. And I, and I'd gone home to visit my parents. And I think this is when I had my wisdom teeth out. I think this is when this happened, this whole, Overlap. It might have been earlier, but I think this was the year. Anyway, um, my mom was reading it for some reason. And I picked up the first book and I just thought, oh, wow, okay, I love this. And I read the next one and I read the third one and then the fourth one wasn't out yet. Uh. And so I had to wait. And I've never been um, a like a diehard fan about anything. Like yeah. I've I've liked things. I've always been drawn to Arthurian legend and I've always liked magic stuff uh uh generally. But then Harry Potter made it very specific for me. Huh. And I think it's something about how I think it's JK's writing and how immersive she makes it because all her sentences are very active and descriptive. Hmm. And the world it's it's something about I think it had because I've been giving this a lot of thought recently because I'm actually revisiting the books right now, hmm. and I think it's something about 
Harry's previous life and his struggles to belong. And then there's this world where suddenly he finds out that all he needed to belong was what he already possessed. And that not only does he belong, but he was maybe one of the most special people there. And I think that in our core, we might all feel like that, that we're all waiting for that place to be revealed to us where what we were born with is suddenly the best. We, we, we've been accepted a hundred percent by, by our peers, by our friends, by, you know, the, the worlds that we find ourselves in. I think that's, I think that's just a really deep human need. And I think that that essentially is the exploration of Harry is like finding belonging and, you know, fighting dark wizards and things like that. And, sure. And, like, the awesomeness of all of, like, the most delicious magic that I've ever read. I don't know how she does it, how she makes everything so yummy. Like, <laughs> like it's just, you know, she, she uh, in the first book, it's like, uh, it was almost Christmas at Hogwarts. And she starts describing what, you know, all the, the decorations and the castle and the smells of the food wafting through the corridors and the amazing things inside the Christmas crackers. It's just all of those, all of those details are perfect. Like she went into our dreams huh. and was like, Oh, here, here it is. Experience this. And I don't know. And because the wizarding world, is theoretically just behind a veil yeah. that we can't see. They, you know, there's part of I think the people that, well, I don't know, maybe everyone who thinks like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's real. And why? Maybe not? it could be real. And, like, if, and like, how would it change know. how you live if if you know that that's there? Right. And and that's you know we were talking about Disneyland it has that same yeah. character to it yeah and and just as you're describing that it, it mirrors how you were describing improv in that way of how the audience gets to experience that and even though we're using space work and invisible yeah. pantomimed objects the audience fills that in for us yeah and if that's not magic right right like that's that's making something physical and vis- pe- people will – you can go up to audience members after a show and say, hey, describe the thing that I was holding in this scene. And they will tell you the size, the shape, the color. Yeah. They will have had a visceral reaction to something that was invisible and incorporeal. And yeah. so like what is that? Yeah. Like that's got to be something. Like, There's something in that. You know? it's, it's ether. Yeah. You know, that's like the sixth of the fifth element or the sixth <laughs> element is actually yeah. ether that we conjure things or something like that. Yeah. There was something else that you said too in your description of Harry Potter that really resonated with me. I was thinking about this very thing this morning about having a sense or a feeling of not belonging where I was from. Yeah. And that there's something about the community in particular of voice work and mm. in that it is Hogwarts in that way. <laughs> yeah. You it know, is. <laughs> so is that you just, you, that I feel the same way about that, that sense of living in a world where I didn't necessarily belong. And then slowly on this journey, meeting people who share either that, that sense of play or that sense of imagination or that sense of belief or just that willingness to take risks with your mouth and throat and, and fantasize about being anything from, you know, a tiny mouse to yeah. Kilowog from Green Lantern to, you know, a, a mountain. Yeah. Um, and being able to play in that way. Yeah. And be weird. Yes. Take a risk. Be unattractive. Be, you know, do things that, that 
you could be judged pretty harshly for for trying yeah. and have other people like just be like yeah keep going with whatever that was that's weird that's cool you know that's different make that sound again and like feeling like oh oh okay so so i get to i get to fail and i get to try and i could maybe succeed so much better now because people people are okay with us playing pretend together yeah yeah and and finally I think it was for me, it was in high school when I met someone or a couple people who supported that nature Mm -hmm. where prior to that, I was bullied from kindergarten through probably eighth grade for being for experimenting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and for being a strange kid who really dug Yogi Bear and cartoon characters and all that other stuff. Yeah. You know that. You're, you know, we live in a time now where, I mean, I know bullying is worse than it's ever been, but at the same time, there's a community of people who are supporting people who are bullied. Yeah. And, uh, that's a whole nother cottage. Well, issue. But, 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 but it is, it that, pertains because, it because there's a, there is a rise in nerd culture right now. Yeah. Where I think that there are a lot of people who were, who, who grew up feeling, feeling like the outcasts and now we're all like making entertainment. All of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. And and so we've got, you know, this whole wave of um movies that are about superheroes and TV shows and like all these things that are that are so entrenched in nerd culture and making it cool that I feel like there's also a much wider network of people that are supportive and saying like, Yeah, you're weird and we like that. Yeah. Keep that up. Keep it up. Keep it up. That was that was one of the coolest things about uh Kamikaze was here last weekend and the and and WonderCon too, and like all of them, the the artist alley, like taking yeah, my daughter through the artist so alley is yeah, yeah. so cool to be able to. It was something that I I hadn't supported in the past for whatever reason. Maybe mm. it was because I just didn't want to. That place can be really overwhelming. Artist alley is the best. It is the best. Yeah. So many amazing, talented people just sitting there creating art that custom stuff for five ten bucks yeah. or. Or stuff that they've drawn. Yeah. It's just it's it's just so exciting to be a, around creation, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. people actively coming up with stuff. And I mean, that's it's one of the things. It's one of the things I love about uh, the like getting to know you, getting mm-hmm. to know Chris Cox and Rachel and and um, just everybody mm-hmm. in that. We are creators mm-hmm. in that way and drawn to this place. And we've been collected in this little office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sit there and talk about, <laughs> talk about, you know, what we're doing in our lives, but also talk about what we're doing outside of our creative mm-hmm. lives and then go into this room by ourselves and create something. Right. What's, what's, I mean, well, t- tell me a little bit about, you know, are you more active? You, you have more of a, like a Swiss Army knife sort of skill set. Yeah. Like you, you're <laughs> yeah, a commercial a voice actor. It. You do audiobooks, yeah. video games, animation, um, looping. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and, and, you know, my career has always been like in little, like, little, like clusters where mm. like, oh, I'm doing this a lot right now. And I'm doing this a lot right now. And, yeah. um, but, you know, um, that's okay. Uh, so what do, what do you, what, uh, like, uh, well, this year, um, I had two, I was very excited to be a part of, Two Batman movies. I mean, come on. Yeah, that was very thrilling. We recorded those actually uh, the previous year, 2014. Uh-huh. Um, but I originated a character in the Batman universe. 
And she's not a huge character, but my goodness, I mean, that was like so exciting for me. And of course, I was working with extremely talented people and oh just, my God. you know, it was just an amazing opportunity. And I was really glad I, I've worked with Wes Gleason uh, a number of times and I was just thrilled to get to work with him on that and yeah. thrilled that he called me and said, come and do this. And so, yeah, I, I, I played Gladys Winsmere, who's like a um, sort of a dowager type um, older woman who's, you know, flirty and, and knows Bruce Wayne from his, you know, from his fancy pants lifestyle <laughs> right <laughs> and uh his his uh what do you call it? his societal uh society pages type thing. yeah 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 um but uh uh yeah so i did that and um but then i do a lot of on-camera commercials um radio commercials like basically whatever comes along and I don't know. There's no rhyme or reason to it, as far as I can tell. Do you do you find do you find um, do you do AVO stuff or more like more character driven stuff or a combination of both? Um. Oh, definitely character. Okay. Definitely character. So like a McDonald's spot that's like Tom and Mary, and it's like, hey, like, this coffee is like, really good. Like I can't. I don't. I the, the commercials that I just did. I can't say exactly because okay. they're not out. Yeah. But you know the 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 the, the it is a character as opposed to um, come in today and get your you know your free tire change or whatever. Like right. that's it's not that I. I couldn't, but I, t- I tend to do the, the, the characters. That's the stuff um, that you tend to get more, more, yeah. more often than not. That's the direction you're cast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and weird too, like, like all over the map, different kinds of things. Like I've played, uh, you know, teenage girls, of course, but then also like I played a, a nerdy monkey. I played the, like the older characters. I played a cat, you know, uh, I play, I was a, <laughs> I was a Moogle in uh, final fantasy, uh-huh. you know, and then, and then there's voice matching too. And I, I voice matched a number of various people, um, which is also really weird because it's such a, it's so, we yeah. talked at length on a couple occasions with different folks about that. And we talk about it all the time. I mean, yeah. it's such a, it's such a unique and specific thing, yeah. you know, to be able to have an ear to match someone else's voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. one of, one of my first video games I ever did was, um, Coraline where oh, I was yeah. voice matching Terry Hatcher and, um. I mean, I didn't know I sounded like her, but they sent out the copy and they said, here's, you know, here's a little uh, link to, or a, a voice, whatever, voice track to hear her voice and do your best imitation. And so I did. And then I ended up doing this, this whole, the whole video game as her. Oh, wow. And, um, and yeah, it's just a really weird thing. Cause you know, like, what does Terry Hatcher sound like? I guess she kind of sounds like me, but maybe with different word shapes. Yeah. And I, I, I've done Anne Hathaway a few times, uh, like for the Rio trailers. Oh, yeah. For yeah. The- <laughs> um, you know, and so that, to, to me, that's just really funny. I did Anna Paquin. But, you know, could I do an impression of them for you right now? No. And I couldn't, I, and I couldn't <laughs> and, tell and you. you couldn't Anna tell Paquin me what they come. sound like either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do, how much do you improvise when you're when – you're, not only just like coming up with stuff, but do you, what's, what's your, what's your preparation like for an audition? Like if oh. you, you know, depending on, I mean, okay. I mean, I remember getting a note yeah. from Paul, like uh, this was maybe three years ago, like dear, dear clients, 
the, the days of the printer, the rip and reads are over. Um, please don't print your copy, walk into the booth and cold read it and expect to make a living doing this. Yeah. You need to spend time preparing your work. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so like really taking that to heart. Not that I was doing that, but a lot of times in my, the agency I had back in Chicago, my, my scripts were never sent to me in advance. They were in a folder when I'd get to the office. I'd go in. Yeah. I'd have a moment or two to review them and then go and basically cold read. Yeah. So what's what's your what's your process like? Um. So generally, if it's commercial, I try not to print, so I save paper and I mm. keep it on my iPad. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I you know I read it through and and I and I figure out you know if it's a character what kind of character. Uh. If it's a group read. Uh, and it's just, it just describes me. Then I'll just make sure I have the words in my mouth and then I'll go, meaning like I'll, I'll, I'll say the words to yeah. make sure that I don't stumble over them. Cause sometimes <laughs> you have to say right. crazy things that oh are hard God. to say. Yeah. I did, I did an oatmeal commercial for McDonald's years ago and it was like a lot. I can't remember. It was like toasty, raisiny, almondy goodness. Some, you know, it was all these like little tiny words you have to say kind of fast. And yeah. so, so I make sure I can say the words. And then if it's a group read, I go in and we and we play together. So that's very much like like performance, like live theater. If it's uh, if it's just me, then I'll just practice it on my own and I'll sure. think about you know different ways I can what I can bring to it. If it's animation or video games, I usually print it out and then I I read it through once just to read it. Yeah. Then I like to sit down with a pen and. Um, I figure out what my want is. Um, I, uh, I will circle words that mean something more based mm-hmm. on that want. Sometimes the, you know, the copy will come and it'll just be like five lines with no context. Yeah. So then I make the context for each one and I try to make the context different. Yeah. So if it's a combat situation, let's say, okay, so you're auditioning for soldier number two in a video game. Yeah. And the first line is like, get down. And the second line is, okay, boss, enemies approaching. And the third line is like, grenades incoming. So I try to find different ways and different locations where those lines could be said. And I also decide who I'm saying them to. Yes. Because that makes a difference in, in how your performance is. So I do all of that. And I also look at, of course, the character description. Sometimes they'll have a celebrity reference and mm-hmm. I'll think, okay, they say Angelina Jolie a lot. Like, yeah. why? What, ab- what is it about her? They don't necessarily want you to sound like Angelina Jolie, but there's something about her performance or, um, another one that I get a lot is, uh, 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 oh, what's the name? <laughs> what's the name in Alien? Sigourney Weaver. No. Winona Ryder. The, um, Resurrection. Latina. Oh, oh, oh. We get that one a lot. Really? That's so interesting. From Aliens? Yeah, Cortez. The, yes, Cortez. Cortez. So, so that's one. So, so it's like, okay, so they're saying this, but why? Like, what is the aspect of that that they see for this character? And so then I try to incorporate that. And how that lives in you. Right. I see. And then, and then I'll find the character voice through that. So combining all of those aspects. And then... If I'm reading several pieces from the same project, I'll look at them and I'll mm. go, okay, so this character voice is like this. And this other character that I'm reading is very similar to the first character, but let's give them something else. So then I try to do a variety. 
That's such a smart, that's such a great idea because you provide them the value of like, bring me in and you get two rolls for the price of one. Right. Rather than, uh, this is my big Russian. This is my big Ukrainian. This is my big this. So it's like, bring me in and put me on potentially this one or this one. Yeah. You're showing your, I'm valuable and I can make the separation between these two characters, not just as one. That's right. Because because I have a pretty wide range and yet, um, uh, it, it, um, what was I going to say about that? It it doesn't it doesn't like I don't think it I don't think it's necessarily apparent, you know, like like you have uh. so you have you have to find a way of of showing that, but also showcasing it's tricky. You have to also showcase like what's your signature at the same time. So I always try if there's a variety of things, I always try to do one that's just my voice, mm-hmm. and then two that are very different, and 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 so that they have that variety and they can go. Oh, she can do these three characters in the same scene, and maybe we wouldn't even know yeah. that it's the same person. And I think that that adds a lot of value to the audition. And then after that, I just try to let it go. I I recycle my paper, I uh-huh. print on the other side, you know, and then when I'm done, I recycle it because at the end of the day, you don't know. And like I've been told, like, hey, you were on the top ten list, like again and again. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. but you know, like when you finally get cast, why? Do you know why? You never know why. You never know why. You never why. know why. So you just have to be like, oh, God, I got this one. Or, oh, I didn't, but I got to act today. I got to act today right. in my audition, and that was satisfying. That's it. I think that you go in and you make the most of that shot, and you remember that this morning I got to go in there, and I, even if I don't get cast, I got to be yeah. Green Lantern for a minute. For a minute, yeah. And and that's got to be enough. Yeah. There was a great uh, – there's a book – Called Acting in Commercials by Janet C. I probably read it at some point. I, I, I we, we have it. <laughs> I finally, I actually, not to go on a tangent, but I finally this year I was like, I've been in enough commercials. I think I can, I think I can donate my commercials, like my How to Break into Commercials book. Like I yeah. finally was like, like I was holding on to it for so long. Like, what if I need it? And of course, this book came out in like 2000. I'm like, what if I need? But you might. How to Break into Commercials book. Oh, oh yeah, the break in. Yeah. <laughs> Get an agent. And you're like, oh, I've had a, I've had a, but like, but sometimes, sometimes those things though, that's what I love about like the workshops and notes and all that other stuff. Like one of the great, the greatest workshop I think I ever had was SAG put on a free workshop night in, in Chicago. Yeah. And one of our local casting directors came in, a guy named Brad Burton, who's now in Austin, Texas uh, with his wife and they cast and stuff. Great, great guy. And it was the greatest workshop ever and i still have the notes and it's like four pages of him just raining on us yeah but one of them was it's easy it's easy to be big and interesting it's really hard to be small and interesting Mm. and in commercial acting you have to be yeah it's true you know when you go when you're playing a customer in a fedex commercial just deliver the package you don't have to do anything else right you really have to be I mean, present. Well, not to get too off track, because I want to hear what you had to say about the 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 book that you were talking oh, about. Oh, I'll put a bookmark. I, I just yeah. bookmarked. Thank you. But um, that's why to talk about like how do you how do you have an acting career and like how do you make that work? That's why it's so important that you have a life apart from your acting, Man. where you have things that you like to do, hobbies, places you go, travel. You know, you have to become a full person because at the end of the day. You are your experiences. Your yeah. your instrument is its experience. Yes. That's why an old Stradivarius violin is better 
than a brand new violin, you know, because it's been places, it's had experience, it has character. And so when you are a full person that goes into your audition and you bring your the fullness of yourself and then you deliver a package, you're interesting because you've yeah. done stuff. So, yeah. so I mean, I, I was really lucky. My friend and I, I met I met one of my best friends when I first moved out here within like two weeks of moving here. Huh. And after about six months of being here and working on our careers, we looked at each other and we were like, gosh, we're unhappy. Huh. What's going on? And we realized neither of us had a life. All we did was submit headshots and try to go and meet agents and oh, 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 you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. And we were so unhappy. And so we were like, let's uh, do one other thing. Let's add some life into our lives. And that made all the difference. So you gotta, you can't, you can't get apart from that. Let's go back to um, your bookmark. Just to just yeah. to put a star on that. Yeah. That's the best acting advice that I've heard about anything. It's the best life advice. I'm, I, I mean, I'm so grateful that I moved to this city with a child and a wife yeah. and a, not even necessarily who, because as a freelancer, you are who you are. You bring what you bring to the table. But, but like, just. Life is the most important thing that you can do for your career. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so thank you for that point because yeah. you're, you're, I, I'm 100% lockstep with you. And I feel like the people who aren't are the ones who get burned out and unhappy yes. so quick and get so angry at this city for not delivering the promises that, it, that I promised myself. Right. It's like, man, if you don't, you don't have to go. You don't, you could, if you spend every resource that you have at every casting director workshop and every meeting everybody in this town, you're just going to be unhappy. Right, right. You've got to go to Manhattan and, Beach and go and, get an ice cream cone and watch the sunset and go, my God. And, and ultimately, no one wants to work with an unhappy person. Mm-hmm. They want to work with someone who is cool, who is happy, has, has a nice, stable lifestyle and, you know, and can be a pro, deliver the goods and like, you know, that, that, and that reads in, in your auditions when you come into the room, that feeling of I, I'm, I'm burnt out or I'm unhappy or I, I feel jaded or, or I have expectations that I should book this now. All of that starts to come through your work because that's, that becomes your day to day reality. And honestly, that's, I think the biggest challenge of being a creative professional. Hmm. I think that is like, like, Staying level and happy is maybe the biggest challenge. You know, um, I think I think there are a lot of other components, but if you can if you can get over that one, and if you can't, that is really important too because hmm. the job at a certain point you're like, oh hey, I'm making my living from acting. I did it, but I'm not a star. And I'm not necessarily working all the projects I want to work on. Uh-huh. So now I'm just in the process. And so your job becomes the process. And like yeah. you said, enjoying your auditions and just going and showing up and being like, okay, so I don't need, I don't need more success. I can continue at this level of success. I might want more, but my job is my job, which is driving, auditioning, preparing. Yep. Can I enjoy that? And if you can't enjoy that, that's the career. That's the job. That's the job. So that's really important to like, if you're, if you're considering, should I do this? Should I keep doing this? You know, um, if you don't think you can enjoy that, then it's, it's really a great thing. It's a gift to yourself. Yeah. Because the, 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 there's no, there's no like presence with bows on them and like 
puppies and you know candy jars waiting for you you know like no. like <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> they, you know what i'm saying the the puppies and the boxes with the balls and the right. candy jars and the and the and the gift wraps and the gifting yeah. suites and the and the red carpet yeah. and the photographs yeah you don't get a goodie bag right away you don't There's get no it. and sometimes bags. you get a goodie bag and it's all full of hair products that you're not going to use you just why <laughs> why even have it so. that's right the best <laughs> that you can hope for is a free red vine when you go to an audition or or craft service in a really well appointed kitchen. Yeah, or or just really convenient parking. Convenient parking. <laughs> I, I stress out when I go to LA Studios. I stress out that I don't have a single to tip the valet. Oh yeah. And I, I'll I'll street park. Yeah yeah. I this is the stupidest thing, but I did a I did a job <laughs> on a game I can't talk about. Yeah. And I got done and I walked out. And I'm standing in the parking lot waiting for the valet to bring me my car. Yeah. And I see J.K. Simmons walk up. And he's wearing a Detroit Tigers baseball cap. Yeah. I just watched Whiplash. And I know he's from Detroit. And I want to say something, but I don't want to nerd out. Yeah. So I say the stupidest thing a man could say. What did you say? I said, oh, Tigers fan, huh? That's what I said to J.K. Simmons. And he what, did, went, yeah. what did you say? He went, yeah, and walked by. Aww. I felt like the biggest tool. I was so <laughs> embarrassed. It was like, of all things. And like, if I was in the lobby, like three minutes ago, he would have walked into the lobby and I would have been cool. Right. Because, I would There's an expression yeah. that kids are using now. They have no chill. That's it. No chill means that you, you, you freak out when you're around someone who's... Yeah, yeah. who's which is new to me. I love well, that term. Yeah. I had no chill yeah. in the parking lot. In the parking lot, you don't. LA Studios. Yeah, but when you're in, you're like, oh, no, I, I belong here too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, hey. Because you do. Yeah, right. You do. And that part of it is really <laughs> exciting. But, um, you, oh, but, uh, um, uh, the bookmark. Yes. Let's not um, forget it. Okay, so I said the, and I'm, I'm glad I went back because I said the wrong name. Her name is Joan C. Joan C. wrote a book called Acting in Commercial. Okay. And the line in there. <laughs> We went all the way back for this, but it's a good one. The audition is the work. The work is the perk. Yeah, totally. And uh, and if you're yeah. not prepared for that, yeah. to drive all over town, and yes, as a voiceover artist, to drive all over town, to go to Elaine Craig's, to go to Voice Caster, yeah. to go to Carol Casting, Calmonson's, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and then the studios. Yeah. Uh, Nickelodeon's to, to, Deep Burbank. Yes. Deep Burbank. Deep Burbank. <laughs> but to go to those places yeah. and, and, and sit around yeah. in the lobby, like you've, you yeah. need, you need to have something that satisfies you, even if it's freaking Candy Crush. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, it's good to have things that make you feel like you're, you know, like, and, and, and that's the, that's the wonderful thing I think about the voiceover community too, is that, mm. uh, the, the people who do it are really, interesting and fun mm -hmm. and funny people yeah you know so many comics yeah and so many improvisers in it because the nature of the work draws you in and it's how you can monetize stuff that makes yeah. life a lot more yeah i don't know well more... yeah i mean i feel like i feel like everybody that i know that does voiceover also works on camera yeah in various ways and voiceover has so many different ways of of making money too uh, you know, if it's good work, if you can get it, right. um, uh, that, that it, I feel like it tends to have a more, a more stable, um, actor base hmm. where people, people are making their livings and having their lives and like have kids and have, you know, like, like, like more, not like Hollywood lifestyles, but like just lifestyles, just lifestyles. people, people, 
yeah. lifestyles. Yeah. Like people Walking that around. you might know that are totally normal, that are just people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not totally normal. That's the good part. That's the good part. They're yeah. mostly normal. Mostly normal. They with can the, assimilate with... culture. It's kind of <laughs> We like... are great at pretending. <laughs> we are really close to being normal. We're the creatures and they live. That you need you need the glasses <laughs> to see the skulls and how we're trying to we're attempting world domination. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's fun. Well, um <laughs> what what's where you said you were born in Germany? Oh yeah. Are you are you still a German citizen? I was you? never a German citizen. Um, uh, my parents were both in the army, and so I was born on a military base. I see. So and you're so, born American citizen. You just born born overseas. That's right. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, lived there till I was two, and then uh, we moved to Michigan, and then Hawaii, and then Kansas, where I feel like that's that's where I spent my formative years. So I feel mostly like a Kansas Midwest huh. gal, and then Florida, and then I did college in Ohio and then I came out to Where in Ohio did you do college? I went to Denison University. Um, Jennifer Garner went there. Jennifer Garner went there? She did. Jennifer Garner. I know. Jennifer Garner. She was on Alias. She was on Alias. And she was in uh, (laughs) self-promotion. She was in Danny Collins, the Al Pacino movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. And she's really good in that movie. She's really good in general. She's a really good actress. Yeah, she is. Yeah, so she went there. But that's not why I went there. Where is Denison College? It's in a little tiny town Maybe a village called Granville, which is about 30 minutes outside of Columbus. Okay. And, uh, yeah. I lived Cleveland, Toledo. I worked in Finley. My first talent agent was in Bryan, Ohio, <laughs> the Marsha agency where I learned runway. <laughs> Oh, that, was, that was what, what? it was. Yeah. What? That's where I, bro- that's where I broke you in. So I broke in, guys. runway? I learned runway. My like, Manhattan like turns, my New York turns. walking up and down turns. on the catwalk? Yeah. yeah. So, so, Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That I, this is maybe the best thing I've learned today. I wanted to get into <laughs> voiceover on camera. I, wanted, I was I was yeah. working as a producer, yeah, uh, making industrial training, and there was a talent agent. I went in the Yellow Pages <laughs> and found this talent agency <laughs> in Bryan, Ohio. I don't know if she's still there, but the Marsha Agency in Bryan. Wait, Bryan's. so wait, I just want to clarify. You were a model? You were walking up and down on the catwalk? A couple times. Like, like were you like modeling like Jordash? I uh, wasn't that long ago. No. Oh, well, just, I'm just it thinking, was like... three weeks ago. Oh, it oh. was John Varvatos. <laughs> oh, nice. No, um, I'll tell you the whole sordid affair. Okay. Like, I, we, I, I got brought into the Marsha agency. They were like, you got, it was an hour and a half drive from where I was living in Toledo uh, with my ex-wife who was in graduate school at the time at Bowling Green State University. And I drove out to Brian maybe twice a week for modeling class to learn how to do the turns. And there was... There were, um, and I'm at this point, I'm in my mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, they're like, we need guys. Yeah. So, uh, I ended up getting booked on a bridal show. So we had to wear like tuxes Fantastic. at the, uh, yeah, in Toledo. Course, and like, yeah. it was the first time. Oh my God. It was so crazy. It was my first like exposure to the backstage at runway where it was like, topless women all over the place because you're changing so fast and that was so strange yeah because it was a good covenant youth from grand rapids and being in this environment was like i'm seeing things i shouldn't be seeing like shut up and turn around and put the coat on you know so like that kind of stuff yeah and then and then we did uh and i went to a mall in piqua ohio which was two hours south of finley i think and and did a month a runway show there Uh and and they they put packing tape on the bottom of your shoes so that you don't scuff the shoes because I wasn't wearing I was wearing brand new clothes from right. like I don't know well 
It could have been Ross for all I know. I have no idea. Yeah. But like they pulled the clothes and like you're going to wear this and then you're going to come back here and change. You're going to wear it this time. So I was walking out. I'm, I'll never forget this. <laughs> I walked out on this runway. There's like eight, nine people stand there in this courtyard of them all. And I do my turn and the tape comes off my shoe. Oh, no. And that's still on the runway. Oh, no. So I'm like, da-da-da, doing my runway walk. And I get off stage and I change my clothes. And the tape is still out there. Oh, no. I'm like, well, what? Well, someone's got to get – she's going to drag it through a dress. So I go out there and on my next pass and I bend down and I grab that tape. And yeah. I pick it up and walk off stage. And the girl I'm walking down is like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm sorry. I was just – it was going to get caught on the t- – never worked again. Oh. <gasps> You're kidding. But you know what? That moment showed your future to you because that's what a good improviser would do. That's and a right. good theater professional. A good theater would professional would, would get pick, that off would, of there. Because no audience can sit there looking at that piece of tape. They're not going to watch the fashion show if that tape no. is on the stage. That's right. They are not going to see it at all. That's right. So good job. Thank you very much. You, you, I'm proud of you, myself for being you, here. You chose the path less traveled by. You picked up that tape and you jetted off to Los Angeles. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> or Chicago, I should say. Yeah, I was Chicago, actually, yes. it was before I started working in Detroit because oh, Detroit wow. is really where I started my, yeah. um, my, on- I joined the Screen Actors Guild in 2000 in Detroit. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was prior to that stuff. It was all, like I did an industrial video for some company where it's one of these, the horrible, really graphic safety videos. Oh, no. Have you ever done one of those? No, no. So, like, like I remember my dad worked as risk management at a mental institution when I was growing up in Grand Rapids. And uh, he would get sent 16 millimeter films of, like, accidents in the workplace. So, these horrifying, like, mid-80s, late-70s uh, accident in the workplace videos of, like, people jacking up their legs in an industrial press and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so these films would be sent to him on the regular so i got to actually do one where i was like operating a giant steel crane and i was tripping some cables and i fall and smash my head on a girder and then they had a prosthetic makeup artist come in and do like this gory thing on my head it was awesome That was those were some of my first like paid acting jobs. <laughs> that's amazing. That's 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 horrifying and amazing. And probably those videos still exist. Like they're probably Somewhere. still being used. Somewhere. Like, did you hit your head on a steel girder? I hope so. Then... I hope they're in some industry. <laughs> they're probably online somewhere. Get out the safety kit. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your first when when did you make the transition like to being um, from like new person to union actor, what was what was that path like? Oh well, you... so I moved out here when I was nineteen, and um, I was pretty I was pretty gung ho about getting in the union. Yeah, and um, I got an agent right away. I was with the Samantha Group. That was my first agent. They had uh-huh. me for commercials and for uh, theatrical, and they actually they got me out a lot. They were a great agent, and um, and I think my first paid job was this was before I joined the union and it was a video a um, music video mm-hmm. for I want to say the band was called like SR 71 or something like that and it was sort of their take on the Beatles video where all the girls are swarming them yeah and so it was the middle of the summer and I was one of the five main girls of this swarm and we each had like slightly different personalities of crazy (laughs) and we basically just chased the band all around uh 
Silver Lake, <laughs> like up and down hills, and it was maybe 105 degrees. Oh, my God. And they were handing out – and it was paid like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. But I was thrilled. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, like real makeup artists and all these things. Right. Like, it was like this whole new world. And uh, they were handing out little towelettes that had been soaked in that sea breeze, um, <laughs> you know, anti-acne yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. Right. And so we could put it on our necks so we would stay cool. Did we, that work? It helped a little bit. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I was glad that I was very young. Yes. Yeah, because it was really hot. And so we, so that was my first job. There was a bike, there was a bike chase scene in that. Um, and then, um, I, I did get my SAG card by doing background work. Oh, um, really? I, I, like, Crazy. like the next year, whatever, I was like, I'd already decided that I was beyond doing background work. I'd done, I'd done background work, but I was at that point, which is so, I don't know why I, you know, when, ah, the, uh, the youth, like we, we, right. we, we need to get over ourselves so much more quickly than we do. But, um, uh, I, I had done some free extra work on, um, a friend's short film. Uh-huh. And the guy that was the AD on that was the second AD on that 70s show. Oh, wow. And he said to me, Hey, you were great on set. Do you do background work? And I said, I said, I don't, but I am trying to get my SAG card, which is actually kind of a smooth move, if said in the right way. I was right. not that snotty the way I said it. And uh, he was like, well, I don't think I can get you your vouchers right away, but if you come and work a bit, I can try to throw some your way. And I said, well, sure, why not? Yeah. So I started doing uh, background work for that 70s show. And that was actually such a great show to do background on because they, because oh, it was, it was the hours were reasonable and then they shot parts of, you know, they shot a lot of it live. And so that was really reasonable. And, um, plus you had wardrobe, makeup, you know, like, like it felt like it you weren't felt, bringing your own clothes. They had to, no, they, they had, the had the, they right. had, yeah. And so it really felt more like you were, uh, actually like really an actor on the show. And you're part of it. And part of it. So that was, it was, it was fun. It was a nice set and the actors were nice. And so, you know, it was a good time. And then, yeah, sure enough, he, he made good on that. And I got my three vouchers and I was thrilled and That's I joined. Amazing. And then I don't think I booked any SAG work for, for a long time. That's a thing, man. <laughs> like, like joining, joining the yeah. union, like not necessarily before you're ready. Cause you will, but like, but at the same time, like yeah. being able to make certain that, yeah, I mean, like it would, it would, like my advice to me then would have been great. You got your vouchers, you can join whenever you want to. Uh, you know, now just work. just keep working, keep practicing, keep getting your feet wet, and then when you when you have to join, you join. Yeah, yeah, and then when you do join, it's a great thing and it's wonderful, and then you've gotten, you know, you're working. In the union at this point, right, and and having those vouchers opens you up to being able to audition for more SAG stuff. Whereas when you don't have the vouchers, it's harder to get in the room. You're so the room. it's really a, like a beautiful time period that I just was like, I'm done. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but 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 if I were going to do it over again, I probably would have waited a little bit longer. Yeah. I, I'm going to do a throw a curveball. Just I always say Great. announce the curveball. Okay. But, uh, if if you're cool with doing this, yeah. Um, I, I brought comic books in. <gasps> And, and I, I, I've done this, uh, before. I, I, I love the idea of using comic books to help create characters because you get a visual, uh, a visual reference yeah. as well as, you know, text. And, and I'm wondering if you would be willing to do one of these, um, and just read, Read the character, but take me through your process. Sure. Is that cool? Yeah, that'd be great. So I'm grabbing, uh, this is a DC comic. 
Um, and I'm just looking right here for... Uh, that's not the one I was looking at. I'm sorry. I was trying to be so prepared and a good host. Um, this is like a zombie-ish. Ooh, zombies. Character. So uh, go ahead and find a character. Well, you know, right here on the very beginning, there's a, there's a woman dressed in black. Um, uh, because it's random and sometimes you just, you just open your email box and this is what you have to do today. Um, to take a minute and, and talk me through your process of what you see in that panel and that, that chunk of dialogue that she's doing. So I really like, I actually really like the, um, the, uh, narration mm, great. that starts here. And that's, I think it's important because you have here, there's two women on the page. Uh, there's a haunted house type old Victorian building and there's blood on the door. There's police tape. Um, it's 1970. So that, that, that makes a difference. So it's, it's not modern. Um, there is a girl in a skirt. She has no shoes on. She's got a sweater on. She looks like she's been through something weird. And then you're talking about this other woman who's coming in, in like, what looks like maybe like a leather suit. suit. Yeah. Like a cat suit. She's, she, and she's really put together. Her hair is quaffed. She's got earrings on. She's got makeup on and she's coming in to talk to this woman. And so I'm thinking that the perspective of the house, the narration is the voice of the the woman that looks like she's been through something terrible in the blue sweater. Okay. And it says, the living like to think the dead can't reach them, that there's this side and the other side, and nothing can pass from one to the other. So that's interesting. That's, wow. you know, that's setting up the world. But the truth is there's no barrier just the thinnest of veils. We were just talking about we that. Were, we were just talking about that. Holy and the cow. dead are much closer than anyone wants to believe. And so here's this woman thinking, and the dead are much closer than anyone wants to believe. And behind her, a woman comes up, and she was nowhere in the first frame. Huh. So, um, and she's being serious, and she knows this person. So I think I, I would probably go with Probably something closer to my voice. Okay. I'm just... You're going to... End, so, okay. You're going to end up in the bouncy house. You keep running off, Lorelai. And then Lorelai... What? The rubber room? You're never getting out of Barclay. Why spend your life trapped or strapped to a mattress in solitary? So she's trying, she's trying to reason with her. And then the other girl's... You know, she, she's on the edge. You're, you're going to be right beside me, Ellie. You just act like you're not crazy. But you are. You've got snakes in your belly. Just like me. So, so yeah, so I would do a contrast. So the one mm. character would be, you know, she's, she's nuts and the other one's stable. So I'd probably just do a really stable, straightforward read for the woman in the, in the black jumpsuit. But I would also want to find out, like, why does she have a black jumpsuit? Uh-huh. So in that context, if if the resources were available, you'd go digging to find out exactly what's going on. Absolutely, and yeah. like so 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 if it were a comic book based on, uh, this is Coffin Hill, or if it so if it were a series based on Coffin Hill, and it, it's a character that's established in the canon, I would I would research it. I would go on um on Wikipedia, yeah, Wikipedia, oh and God. I would find out, and I would also find out. If anyone else has played this character before, has she ever been heard? Like, what's you know, what's her relationship with Lorelai? And it sort mm -hmm. of sounds like maybe that both of them are from some kind of institution, even though one looks like she's put together and the other one's not. So does that mean they're both crazy? What does that 
you know, how does that input the voice? Yeah. Or, you know, input the voice. What does that Influ- influence? Inform? Yeah. How does yeah. that inform the voice? Yeah. Is that so? So, so the That's, next page is crazy. There's lots of, there's lots of, lots of <laughs> blood gross and things. It's horribly yeah. gross. But, That's that, that's so, uh, it's just, it's really, uh, not only interesting to hear, but, you know, you talked earlier about this is the nature of your life. Yeah. This is what you do. Your performance opportunities are actually what you go and do when you go to sit in front of Scott and Steve and do your auditions at CESD or yeah. do them at home. But that is the job. Yeah. And beyond that, who knows what happens? But you have to do that level of preparation to know what you're going to walk into so mm-hmm. that you can put yourself and put your best foot forward when you go into any given audition to show the producers and the yeah, writers. Yeah. And the, Everyone at the network that that you're the right voice for this, and not only have you done the the legwork on it, but I'll give you a lot more. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. This is fun. I would read comic books aloud all day. We should oh, just man. do a podcast where we just read a comic book. I love it. <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> well, uh, I'll I'll talk with you offline about um about another project that I'm doing with uh, my buddy Brandon Eels from Chicago called Reading Aloud. Oh, neat. Um, where we do short stories. <gasps> Uh, we narrate uh, short stories live that have been written and submitted, and both sh- I've directed a couple and read some, and Jerry's done some, and Brian Delaney just did one. Oh, and, fantastic! Yeah, it's really cool. yeah, it sounds so, so fun. Yeah, it's wonderful, dude. I could talk to you all day. Yeah, thank this you. was really great. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in, Amanda. Yeah, Amanda yeah. Troop. How can people find you? Oh, so on Twitter, I'm Amanda underscore Troop, uh, and um, on Instagram, I'm at Troopygram, T-R-O-O-P-Y-G-R-A-M. Um, and I just got into that, so don't expect anything fantastic. <laughs> um, and uh, my website is amandatroop.com. Now, um, samples there, right, of like your voice, yeah. your reels? I've got all my reels on there. I have, a, I have a number of reels. I have a creature demo up there, which I really oh, love. Wow. Um, I don't know if you have a creature demo. I've been working on a creature yeah. demo, and I, I, I'm getting hung up on – and just the edit, because I'm sitting here making all these noises, and yeah. I've got to filter through going, is, is, this, is this good? Yeah. Is this, you know? And is this noise different from that noise? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, but I, I want to, you know, ultimately yeah. I want to give, I want to give my agents more arrows to put in their quiver yeah. so that if, if the opportunity comes up yeah. to do some creature work, yeah. So I love doing ADR. Oh, I sure. Doing yeah, yeah. It's all, it's so fun. And like, and like the, uh, the the reason I'm uh, just spending a second on the demos is um, uh, the questions I've gotten from people that are trying to get into voiceover is like, you know, like, what what do I do on my demo? And it's like, well, you can have a lot of demos. Yeah. So, like, I have a lot of demos up there now. I have, like, th- I think I have three audiobook samples. I've got creature, animation, video game, and commercial up there. And I also have my very first, my very first demo, which is interesting to listen to as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, if you if you go to my website, that's all up there and like samples of my acting on camera work and things like that. So, awesome. yeah, yeah, check check it out and um yeah, listen to this podcast. Yes. Get some good info about acting in the biz and I the world of so. VO. I hope so. Yeah. And, and uh you know, you can follow us at all over VO on Twitter and uh also on Facebook, Facebook backslash all over VO is our address. And if you enjoy the show, please, please, please give us a star rating, whatever you feel like we deserve, and, and write a little review. The little reviews, the little moments you take make all the difference for us in terms of being able to let other folks know about it. And 
And, uh, man, thanks for spending some time with us. And, uh, we'll be back again next week with more, more fun and more excitement. And Amanda, thank you again so much for joining us today here. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Peace. This has been All Over VoiceOver with Kiff VH. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and give us a positive rating. It truly helps. Follow me on Twitter at KiffVH or on Instagram at KiffVH or on Vero at KiffVH. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Claim victory and depart the field. Werewolf? Yeah.